You are alive to shine. I'm Beth. And I'm Kate. And this is the Shine Podcast, where we meet lots of different people and hear about the ways that they light up the world. And here's why we're doing this. We've been changed and affected by people who shine with the love of Jesus. And the world needs people like that and like you right now. So be encouraged and let your light shine. Not a bad day. Just who's got Zoom time for two hours? I know. And Zoom's well, the worst. Well, it works out okay. It's better than talking on the phone. George, did you hear George's? Mm-hmm. Did you like it? Mm-hmm. His voice is so deep. He's like very white. I tell him that. <laughs> to remember your tone. Your voice doesn't always travel because it's so low. So Ed here. <laughs> <laughs> That's Ed? Okay, yeah. <laughs> We're whoever we are. And you're going to want to scoot up. Have the mic in my face? Yeah. I didn't dare ask George to do that, though. I let him sit way far back. I'm like, (laughs) you do whatever you want, George. My poor George. (laughs) He's a big teddy bear. And everybody's always feeling so intimidated. I'm like, it's not. He's just a little intimidating. Justified. I feel that way though with Chris. Like if you people knew him, are... you like you know how great he is. Mm-hmm. And then you know, but people are like, oh my gosh, totally. look at him. How big yeah. he is. If they don't know Chris or haven't been around him, this shirt. Who does this? This is old navy, and I have a regular arm. This is driving me crazy. I've been trying to button this up for two days. I've not been wearing this for two days. But I mean, like, when I go and slip it on or if I'm just walking around the house, why can't I just have a normal... Did you dry it on high? I don't think so. This is very disappointing to me. They're going to roll them up anyways. Yeah, I'm going to roll them back up. That's not a short girl problem usually. That's a tall girl problem. (laughs) I know. I'm glad you're experiencing it. She threw in a short joke, right? Did you work today? I did. You have to deal with drama every day? My job is a little bit different because I work in a jail. I'm a jail administrator. I thought you were in realty. I do real estate also. I'm a real estate agent. Okay. So that is job. my side gig. Time. Okay. Yeah, no, I've been at Mahoney County Sheriff's Office for 20 years. So I'm a sergeant in jail administration. It's an See, interesting Is that like spot. where they hold them? It's mm-hmm. not prison. So they're just in and out for a short period of time. Most are, but we house federal inmates too. So we have people there charged federally, and they wait to go to federal prisons. So we have a lot of feds coming in and out, too. But the state inmates, you know, we've had a few people who have been there for 12 years, oh, 15 okay. years, thought... because they're waiting for trial. What? It, it isn't, yeah, I know that's crazy. But it, and that is not the norm, but there's been a few where they've been between like 8 and 15 years waiting for the trial because it just keeps going over and over and over because they don't get acquitted, but they don't get found guilty, and then they retry them and retry them and retry them. Oh, so you're like, George, you've got good stories? There's a lot of stories. In 20 years in corrections, is um, there's some stories. Definitely. And that's where I met George. We got hired together, so we stayed friends for 20 years. What? Yeah. Okay, can I hear the story? Because he didn't... I don't know that it's really a story. I mean, we got hired together. You were friends and for then... 20 years? Well, I mean, 16 before we got together. Everybody thought we were dating way back in like 2002 and 2003. People thought we were a couple. We were like, no, we're just friends. And I was seeing somebody, he was seeing somebody, and then he got married, and then I got married, and then next thing you know, I was getting a divorce, and he was like, yeah, I'm getting a divorce too. And we were like, hmm. And I was like, well, I know I don't really want to be out there dating again. (laughs) 
Mm-hmm. And we knew we were supposed to be together. We kind of like missed the boat kind of thing. Yeah. He was like the one that got away. And then opportunity presented itself again. So we were like, yeah, I have no doubt. He was like, I have no doubt either. We just knew. I mean, we didn't even date that long. We were like, let's go get married. And we should have done this years ago. It was almost like a mutual thing. Like we both, we just knew and we've known each other for so long and we stayed in contact. It's like, not like we didn't talk to each other. Yeah. We knew we were foolish to not get together to begin with. Okay, and then his mom, because I love his mom. My mother-in-law is Phyllis. She's like the best person ever. So we get along really well. And I talk to her all the time. And when we talk, George is like, I can't believe you talked to my mom for so long. I was like, I think you're jealous. Because we'll talk for like two hours. And he was like, I called my mom. <laughs> and then he just hands the phone <laughs> over. For you. <laughs> yeah. So, but it's nice. But she's like, you mean to tell me that I could have had Anne like 15 years ago? And he was like, I didn't know. I was like, well, if you had asked, you'd have known. So there's some rough mother-in-law stories out there. Good ones are nice to hear. I love mine. I have a great mother-in-law too. Me too. Look at us all agreeing. I love love those (laughs) mama-in-laws too. All right, ready for this? Welcome, Shine Podcast listeners. It's Liz. It's Kate. And we are here with Anne, Princess Anne. <laughs> so glad you're here with us today, Anne. Thank Yay. you. We'll call you a princess or no, Queen Anne. You want to be queen? queen? I think that sounds better. We're here with Queen Anne today. I'll be queen for a day. <laughs> Are you a queen at home? I am queen of my house. <laughs> Anne was born in Youngstown, Ohio. She grew up on the west side and she graduated from Cheney High School in 1996. She went to Eastern Gateway and YSU where she received a degree in criminal justice. She worked at Rite Aid while she was in high school and going to college. No, I'm making this up. I'm guessing. (laughs) (laughs) Worked at Rite Aid right after high school and before I went to police academy. And then I continued to go to school after I was at the sheriff's office and got my degree after. I was already in the field when I got the degree that I needed for the field that I'm doing. So that kind of doesn't make sense, but that's what I did. I did everything backwards in my life. But it's all turned around. She's been at the Mahoning County Sheriff's Office for 20 years. She's a sergeant in jail administration, and she works the Marine Patrol in the summer. Really? That's my favorite. Where's that at? Berlin Lake and Lake Mahoning. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's fun. Are you a lifeguard? I was lifeguard from the Y. That's where I got trained. Well, well. What's Marine Patrol? You just yell at teenagers and tell them to get out? Oh, you get it. It's like patrol on the road, but in a boat. You pull over boats. We Mostly wave shadow. to people. We want to shadow Queen Anne I do. in the summer for her Marine Patrol job. So she's taking we interns. We do ride along. And oh, I man. have taken interns. All right. So if That's you're looking so for internship, talk to Anne. Anne is the youngest of five kids. She has two sisters and two brothers. Although she also had five younger cousins living with them. So you were like the baby and the oldest probably in that household. Yeah, sort of. That's 10 kids. It is. It's a lot. She's no stranger to blended families. Her and her husband, George, got married in February 2018. George was on our podcast last week, April 25th. So check that out if you missed him. Anne and George have five kids together. Anne has two sons. Cody is 22 and Jordan is 24. George has George III, who's 23, and a daughter, Kendra, who's 15. And they are adopting Serena, who's three, together. 
And they have three dogs, Bella, Shadow, and Samson. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of life in your house, huh? Well, all the kids are grown except for, you know, Serena and Kendra. So it's not as wild as you think. It's pretty quiet most days. Oh, three dogs. I love dogs. My heart, Do I love I animals. Like, like I love, love, love animals, especially dogs. Anne loves shooting her compound bow and gun, being outdoors. She loves being on the water. They have been at the upper room since November. I said October last time. It could have been October. Since October 2021. (laughs) And a new thing in her life, George and her son Jordan and Anne all got their real estate license. So they've been selling houses since 2020. So COVID, welcome to buying houses in COVID. Our classes actually got paused because of COVID. A little fun fact about Anne, she's been skydiving. And thought it was awesome. Did you? Oh, it was so fun. Everybody should skydive at least once. No, no, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) That's a hard no. I tend to feel that way. I would not jump out of a plane. No, I don't even like roller coasters. The plane was pretty sketchy in my defense. Oh, my. It's like when you're like, get me off this plane. Are we jumping? We need to go because I don't know about this plane. See, Chris wanted to skydive. And so I bought him like a skydive experience for his birthday Mm -hmm. years ago. And the night before he was supposed to skydive, he got in this like ATV type accident and just totally crushed his mouth, Mm. his jaw, and had to have his whole mouth wired we were like, was God saving you from jumping out of a plane and dying? Because what other possibility would there be to like him getting in this awful accident? I mean, literally having his mouth wired shut. Yeah, that's pretty terrible. You guys are brave. I would do it again. You can tell me all about it. I'm <laughs> not going with you. Yes, <laughs> I have a video recorded. I'll we'll listen to you excitedly. Guys. Were you tandem? Yes. The first couple of times you go, you're, you have to go tandem. Yeah, Has George matter. gone? In the military when he was in the Marine Corps. So he did that, but he did not go with me. And he does not want to go with me for a fun So that was an experience, but not a joy. He didn't enjoy it like I did. (laughs) (laughs) I really did like it, though. It was really fun. I've gone parasailing. I've done that, too. That's fun. I've seen bad videos about that, too. (laughs) Yeah, where, like, people just drop out. You can see in the water really well. You see all... You're like, ooh, there's a lot of life in there. (laughs) Yes. I'll jump out of a plane, but... I don't want a shark to eat me. Oh I'm good. <laughs> What's your greatest adventure? Not jumping out of a plane. <laughs> I don't like that type of, no. You like fast cars or? Mm, fast jet skis. Full throttle. Yeah. I scare my boys on them even. <laughs> They're like, mom. There you go. But not jumping from heights. So, Anne, tell us, who or what turned your light on? Well, I think probably my parents... They're very good at Jesus love. They're very trusting. I was, I was very bad growing up. And my parents trusted me. And they, to this day, don't know how bad that I was. I have said, no, I was bad. <laughs> I just don't tell them how I was bad because I don't want to break their hearts. But um, having those five cousins live with us and now... You know, my parents are in their 70s and raising a five-month-old and a one-and-a-half-year-old. And they don't complain and they wouldn't have it any other way. And either of you could go to my parents' house and tell them you needed a place to stay. And they would let you. They would make up a bed or go find one and buy one, (laughs) put you in the living room if they needed to. That's just, that's what they do. That's who they are. They've always been a very good example of Jesus' love. 
Did you guys grow up in the church, going to church? We did. We went to um, Struthers Church of Christ, actually, which is the opposite of the churches that I attend now. Like here at the Upper Room, the kids can run around and dance and sing and can't imagine worshiping and not having my hands in the air, (laughs) things like that. But you're not allowed to have instruments in the Church of Christ. Right. Anything like that. It's all a cappella singing. And don't get me wrong, they were some wonderful people, but it was also very, you felt more judged attending there. Maybe that wasn't their intention, but that is why I feel they've dwindled from when I was growing up. I think there was maybe 200 people attending there and now there's maybe 50 on a good day because people don't, don't feel that Jesus love. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's missing. So when you went through your dark times, when you were a teenager or younger? Yeah, as a teen, I got pregnant right out of high school and then married him, Jeremy, and that did not last long. We had two kids together. We had Jordan and Cody. It was five years, and that was it, and we got divorced. Then I was already working at the sheriff's office. Well, not already. I think it was a little while. After that, I started working at the sheriff's office. Went to police academy. Joined the sheriff's office February of 2002. Went to the sheriff's office. Then I ended up remarrying in 2007, and that was a terrible decision. In the midst of all my terrible decisions... I always felt like drawn to God. Like even as a teenager and I was really bad and I'd be out like partying, I didn't let people use the Lord's name in vain around me of all things. Like, you know, people say, oh my. And I'd be like, please don't take the Lord's name in vain. It's just not, it's not right. And then chug a beer. It was terrible. <laughs> it made no sense whatsoever. But that's what I did. And, it, you know, fought, punched people in the face. Like it was terrible. But don't take the Lord's name in vain. But I do feel like I was always protected growing up. God protected me through all of my craziness, through all my terrible decisions. And then when George and I got together, it was just refreshing because we were both on the same page. I was like, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. We're going to do this right. And we're going to walk the walk where we got to be all in. We're both pretty much all or nothing kind of people. So would you say you knew God loved you and you had a soft spot in your heart for him, but it wasn't until you and George decided, hey, we have a second chance, let's get married and let's walk with God, that you jumped in full feet with God? Yes. And it was so much easier to do because I had tried before and then you kind of backpedal because you don't have the the partner that's helping you walk that walk and it's so much harder. So just having a Christian man to walk next to me and lift me up when I need lifted. It makes all the difference in the world. You grew up going to Youngstown City Schools, Cheney. Was that a rough crowd in 1996? I mean, I know it was pretty bad in the 90s. I know there was a lot going on, but I never felt unsafe at my school. Well, you said you were punching people. Maybe people felt unsafe with me. (laughs) (laughs) But I guess I felt good. You know, I will say, we, me and my two friends, Amy and Stacy, we were in front of the high school and a car full of a young men pulled up and they pulled a gun on us, said, you know, give me your purse. And I said, no. <laughs> and I was like, I don't have any money and this is my stuff. You can't have my stuff. And he just kind of looked at me like, what do you mean? No. I said, give me your purse. <laughs> I'm like, no, do you want to see? And I start dumping <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't have anything that you want. And You're then another... my lip gloss. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and another car started coming and he just jumped in the car and the guy's like, you know, come on, let's go. And he took off. And I was like, wow, that was really dumb. <laughs> I do not encourage anybody to do that. <laughs> just give him the purse. So how did your life change when you finally said, okay, God, I'm in? 
Well, great things just start happening. Like, first of all, walking with the Lord, the experiences, doing the missions trip, life-changing, the encounters that you have. I did not, the Church of Christ, I don't want to feel like I'm bashing Church of Christ because I'm not, but I never, it was never taught the Holy Spirit there. They do believe Father, Son, Holy Spirit. They do believe in the Trinity. That is a thing. They don't preach it and they don't teach it. And so it is foreign. When George and I started going to Victory and New Springfield Church of God, it was very weird for me. Everybody's, you know, putting their hands in the air and, you know, kind of dancing and the band's up there playing. And it was very... It's culture shock. It was foreign come. to me. And I was like, I, I don't know if I could do this. <laughs> but at the same time, it was comforting and I enjoyed it. And I love worship. Like, that's my favorite part. I do love worship. We've always got worship music on at home and we're always, you know, just walking around the house singing and worshiping and praising God. So it is life changing and just the joy that you have, despite what you're going through, Jesus joy, that is a real thing mm -hmm. to have the joy of the Lord in your heart. So it was, I guess, completely different for me, seeking God every time something goes wrong, being comforted from the Lord and feeling the presence of the Holy Spirit on you. It was just life changing. And the first time I really experienced that was on a missions trip when we went to the prayer tower and they asked it, anybody want to come forward and, you know, receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I was like, well, I want to know if this is real. So I raised my hand, of course, and I go forward. I didn't speak in tongues or anything like that, but I will say I was on fire from head to toe and it was like 20 minutes. It wasn't like a short span of time. 20 minutes I stood there and all these people standing around and everybody's just praying. But I was on fire, head to toe. It was like a ring of fire all around me. And I felt warm, tingly. It was incredible. Nobody could ever tell me that that was not the Holy Spirit. That was, that was my first full encounter with him. It was pretty awesome. That made me want more. Mm -hmm. After you experienced, I was like, okay, yeah, I need more of that. <laughs> That's what I need. Yes. That's what I you know, was seeking after for the longest. And then I was praying a lot. You know, you ride on the buses and you just want to pray when you're riding on the buses over there. Believe me, it's crazy. Just driving, you, you're afraid for your life <laughs> on the buses. <laughs> but I was praying and asking God to help me experience my time there, experience Him, be open-minded, because I I am not like a social person, like just doing this outside my wheelhouse. You're doing great. Good. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. But being over there, like they even, I did the photography, I did media and took pictures and things Aww. like that. So they asked me to speak at a school and I said, no. Randall just looks at me, the girl that was leading and she was like, I'm sorry, did you say no? <laughs> yes, I said, no, I'm sorry. I can't. She was like, oh, okay. And she didn't know what to do with me. And I was like, I'm, and I kind of regret it now because I feel like, I was supposed to be saying yes and putting myself out there. And I didn't say yes that time, but continued to pray. I just asked God to help me open my eyes and help me to just do whatever it is I'm supposed to do while I'm here and experience whatever I'm supposed to experience. And I'm going to cry for the next part because <laughs> it gets me every time. I had my first division and all I saw was a baby and a little orange onesie. I had no idea what that meant. So I was like, okay what just happened because I literally just had a vision. Like it was clear as day to me. And I'm like looking around, like, did other people see this vision? Because it was only in my head, but I was confused by it, but I knew it was God. So <laughs> I'm like, okay, God, what am I, what does that mean? What am I supposed to do? And I'm like looking around, I'm like, are there, is there a baby on the bus? Well, there was a baby on the bus, but he wasn't a little orange onesie. And it was um, Flora and Miguel. 
they're missionaries and they go around and they are this powerhouse couple that go around and just preach God's word. They're incredible. Love them, still talk to them. We called them last night, but she had the baby and their baby's sick right now. It's a whole thing right now. So we got to pray for the baby too. But anyways, can't find any baby. So I'm like, okay, I'm just going to be on the lookout for a baby in an orange onesie because I don't know what else that could mean. So we go to a school and I'm like, well, there's not going to be babies at a school. So we go to another school, everybody does their thing. And I'm walking around the stage because I got to go take my pictures. And as I'm walking around the stage, one of the students, a missionary student, tugs on my skirt and she's like, hey, look, look how cute. And I look down and it's little baby Miguel in an orange onesie. Oh my gosh. I burst into tears right there on the spot. And everybody's like, what's wrong? What's wrong? Because nothing happened. I just looked at the baby and started crying. And they're like, what's the matter? So then I told him, I said, I just had a vision before we got here. I said, this is what I saw. And God told me right then, you got to pray for healing. You got to pray for healing over this baby. So we did. We spent a few minutes just praying for healing over little baby Miguelito. On the way back, I was telling George, I said, well, how am I going to know why we needed to pray for healing? Like, how are we going to know why? I was like, oh, maybe that's just one of those things I got to learn to let go. I was obedient. I did what I was supposed to do. God told me to pray over this child. We all prayed over the child. When we got home from the missions trip, we kept in touch with Laura and Miguel. As we're speaking to them, they tell us that there is this virus going around affecting babies. And to please, you know, make sure we're praying that their baby doesn't get sick. I was like, that's why we had to pray over him that day. God eventually gave me my answer even to why I got the vision I was obedient. We prayed. And he gave me the answer as to why. I was like, all right, I'm in. I'm completely in. God, he reveals himself over and over. Even just last Sunday, it was Jeremy. Jeremy had a word. It had to been the Sunday before Easter. He usually talks to George, but this time he stopped both of us. He just said, I just got a word for the two of you. And I just want you to know that no matter what you do, walk side by side and don't go on your own paths like, okay, I have no idea why why he could be telling us that, but okay, because I don't plan on going my own path. And that was it. Well, that week, I'm having a discussion with George because we're doing real estate and we're with Bergen. We have a friend who just went to another company and we have an opportunity to go there. And then we have another company that said, hey, I want you to come work for us. And I'm like, you know what? You're doing well there. I can only do it part-time because I've got my career. My son's also there and he's you know, moving up in the company and then him and George, they're finally getting the ball rolling and they're starting to get things going. And I'm like, kind of like in the dust. So well, maybe I should just go work for Kelly because she knows what our situation is and she'll help us out. And I could go at my own pace there. I could do my own thing. And George is like, well, I just think, you know, we should probably, whatever we're going to do, let's just do it. The same company, keep our business together. And like, I don't know. I just don't want to think about it. Never even thinking about what Jeremy said, never putting the two and two together until the next day I'm complaining to my best friend, Char. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's what that word was for. Jeremy just told us. I was like, I'm not going anywhere. I'm staying at Bergen with George. I don't know what I was thinking. So when I saw George, I'm like, hey, remember that word that Jeremy gave us? He's like, yes, I do. And I was like, like, well, why don't you say something? That's what that word was for. So I don't go for another company. I was, he was like, I told you not to go over another company. I was like, I know, but I got a word from God. I'm going to listen to God. <laughs> I was like, I might not always listen to you, but I'm going to listen to God. <laughs> so just as recent as two weeks ago, God's always talking. 
that I mean, that's a really serious introduction into the spirit talking about that missions trip. And I think that it can be so difficult especially like in American Christianity, because so many churches, like we do talk often about, you know, the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, but it's more rare to see the actual practice yes. of walking with not just God, not just Jesus, but walking with the Holy Spirit. Right. And so... And how. Get, and how. But I mean, to get that kind of thrown in El yeah. Salvador. El Salvador. Talk about oftentimes how it's almost easier to kind of experience it and see it in other countries. Mm -hmm. it's, it's difficult here. It is. It is. And people are very closed-minded. And then you go somewhere like El Salvador and you see how people are so open and willing right. and literally lining up out the door. Mm -hmm. And I know George talked about it a little bit about when you come home, how it's He's difficult. About perspective. But there is something to that, though, that once you begin having those Holy Spirit experiences or once you get to that mm -hmm. encounter... I feel that way where I'm like, oh my gosh, I need more of this. Yes. And when I came home, is... I was sharing, I'm sharing with my brothers and don't, they grew up in the church too, but they doubt, I guess is the, the right word. I'm like sitting at my brother's house and I'm telling my sister-in-law and my brother, Matt and Tristan, I'm like, hey, God is real. He is so real. And he's like, how do you know? But how do you know? So I was telling him about my encounter and they're like, well, did they put something in your water? And I'm like, well, I got my own water and I actually had a camel back and I filled it myself every day. Nobody gave me anything or put anything in my water. We were good. I promise. We, when we left, I told George, I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't tell him about my vision. And George was like, no, baby steps, baby steps. <laughs> I'm like, but they need to know about my vision. And you just want to like tell the world, hey, God is real. You need to believe. You just need yes. to seek Jesus. But the more you seek him, the more you find him. It's hard for people to understand that. I never even read the Bible till, oh my goodness, five years ago, six years ago, front to back. And I still feel like I didn't really understand what I was reading. But the more you go into it, and then the more you come to churches like this, and like hearing Chris when he, I say, dumb it down for me, that's what I need. But it really does, like the Bible Project, and I love watching the Bible Project mm -hmm. videos. I don't do it enough. I probably should start doing it again. We used to do it. George and I used to watch a Bible project video before we'd go to bed. We'd just sit there and watch one together. And then it's a way to end the day and roll over and go to sleep. But that's how he reminds me of how he teaches. He explains things so thoroughly and well. I'm like, okay, I can understand that. Mm. Helps me to live it if I can understand it. I think that was my that's problem good. before. Is I never really understood how to do my walk with the Lord. Learning how makes all the difference. Mm -hmm. So tell us what lights you up. I know that I love my family and I love spending time with my family. I want to, I pray daily that all of my kids accept Jesus. And I know Jordan has accepted Jesus and gotten baptized. And I know Georgie said that he has accepted Jesus. And I know Cody says that he loves Jesus. I got baptized when I was 19 and I wasn't walking with the Lord. And I was like, was I really saved? Because I was bad. And then I became a police officer. And that doesn't make your heart right. Just doing the right thing doesn't always put your heart right with the Lord. So yeah, good. I want to be sure. So I guess other people's salvations lights me up. I want to see other people be saved, especially my kids. I know that sounds selfish, but... Well, you know what it did for you and how yes. he saved you. I mean, he saved us all, but... You lived a hard life and then, you know, you surrendered to God and things changed drastically for you. So yes. you, you can see 
this is how I felt before, and this is how I felt after. I love talking to new Christians or, you know, new could be five years, but where they finally feel like I thought I was a Christian or I was trying to do the right thing, but they didn't have that relationship with Jesus. Yes. And I think seeing people like you that are on fire and want to share Jesus with people, it should put the rest of us, like put a mark a line under our mm-hmm. chairs. Patukas. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> oh, I've been doing this forever and yeah, it's nice. And you know, but it's refreshing to see somebody who is new to like, Jesus saved me. I want everybody to be saved like me. And I think sometimes it's easy to get complacent when you're just in the church and you've, you're just going along. So you go get them, man. Go. Well, thank you. <laughs> you it is too, Austin. but you got to remember you're like at work. I never would have said anything at work. And now my captain next to me is an atheist. And I'm like, you just need Jesus. I'm going to keep praying for you to have your encounter. And I tell him all the time. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I know. I'm like, well, you don't know how many people are praying for you. You're going to get your encounter. I'm telling you. Mm. I never would have said anything like that before. Now I don't, people tell me something's wrong. I'm like, you just need some Jesus. <laughs> I tell her, you just need Jesus. That's my answer for everything. I was telling George, that's what I, sitting in foundation, that's something that stood out to me about you guys immediately. I told George, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about you. This is who we are, and you need Jesus. <laughs> yes. And that's great. I mean, you you see every day you're working with people who are hurt and broken and lost. So that, you know, that's a hard environment to be in every day. Listen, I will say I do play my Christian music on my computer, Spotify, all day, because I have to listen to things like calls and burn evidence and things like that. I hear personal conversations, and I testify in case after case after case about these calls. But listening to some of the calls and things that you hear, there is true evil in the world, and it does weigh on you. I never thought that I would actually sit somewhere and be like, Jesus, just come back now. Mm-hmm. Because how much more can you take? Then I remind myself, you know what? Jesus loves them too. He hates that sin. Constantly I have to remind myself, Jesus loves that person too. No matter the worst of the worst, and you see it and you hear it, and it's just day after day after day, and it weighs on you, you remind Jesus loves them too. <laughs> Even they can be saved. That's like the thing I have to remind myself. And actually, my commander's the one that told me I rem- we were complaining about somebody, a problem child we have in the jail. And he said, you know what? I tell myself to remind myself. Jesus loves him too. And ever since then, I was like, you know what? Oh my goodness, you are so right. It was like a light bulb went off. So that's what I constantly remind myself. Jesus loves him too. That's how I keep going mm-hmm. every day. I play my Christian music <laughs> and remind myself Jesus loves them too, mm-hmm. <laughs> no matter what it is that they've done. <laughs> Any uh, lighter things like hobbies? Or <laughs> 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 As I sit here and sob. Dogs. I love Dogs. <laughs> That is a hobby of mine. I do actually want to start training dogs. I was thinking about going to school to train dogs, but I would like to do like service animals or um, therapy animals for people like in hospice or something along those lines. I guess one of my fears is like has always been being alone or like dying alone, just that alone. It just seems so sad. And that whole COVID thing just made me think of all the people and all the families that couldn't be there. Oh, breaks my heart. It's like, how would I be able to do what I love working with animals? but still share Jesus' love, what better way than like a therapy dog and just like showing love to people in time of need. I was just talking to George about that earlier. Maybe one day I can do that. That'll be my next venture.
I was going to say, you guys are so creative and you're so adventurous. <laughs> I mean, you really are. There's always like, it seems like there's always something stewing. Yeah, there is. And that's mine cool. goes everywhere. It's all over the place. So you, you've talked about this a little bit about how you're letting your light shine. Is there anything else that you want to share with us about letting your light shine? I am trying to adopt and we are trying very hard to make sure we walk the walk, not only for ourselves, but for Serena. You know, she's not biologically ours, but she is definitely ours. She is our daughter and she loves Jesus. So not only are you and George, you know, raising a blended family, but Serena is your one of your cousin's daughter that you guys have had on and off and been a part of her life since she's been a baby. Yes. And also helping your parents who have another set of kids at their house at <laughs> yes. 74 and 78. They have a five-month-old and a two-year-old from another cousin. And you're such a support to your family and your mom and dad and just those kids that have found themselves in hard circumstances. We are trying to lift them up and make sure that they know the Lord because it's so important. We just keep on keeping on. My kids are my, my life. Being a mom is the best thing that ever happened to me. My kids... If I didn't have them, I, who knows what I would have done. God knows what he's doing, even if I went about it all the wrong way. He pulled me along <laughs> every step of the way. I'm just, I'm thankful. I'm definitely blessed. And now I even have a good Christian man that holds my hand in my walk. Huge blessing. It makes all the difference in the world. So I feel like all of your supernatural stories have already been like jam-packed. You've really filled up the time with really great <laughs> supernatural stories. But that's like my question at the end. Do you have a supernatural story to tell? Oh, well, I, I did mention praying with expectation, which was also new to me because, you know, you pray and you just hope that he does something. And I was learning in my walk, no, really expect him to answer your prayer. Like, mm -hmm. don't just hope that he's gonna, but just expect it wait for that answer. We had some roof issues. We had an insurance adjuster come out and they denied us uh, replacing our roof. And it was going to be, you know, like $10,000. And I was like, oh, what are we going to do? We're going to get a loan. How are we? I'm like, I really don't want to get a loan. I don't want to have to do this. What are we going to do? And I just started praying, okay, what should we do? What should we do? What should we do? And then I have a, a friend that also has a roofing company. He works at the sheriff's office at a roofing company. I'm like, hey, can you come just give me an estimate or give me, take a look and let me know what we're going to need? He said, you need the whole roof redone. I was like, oh no. I started praying. I was like, Lord, I need you to handle this. I need you to take care of this. We can't do this right now. And I'm putting it all out there and I am praying with the expectation that you're going to fix this for me. Please. Thank you. <laughs> the next day, another insurance adjuster came out and approved our thing and we got a new roof that week. Done. Just like that. Oh, that's what it's like to pray with expectation oh. and have it happen. It's like, thank you. That was another learning experience for mm. me too, that God cares about even the little things that matter to us. In the big scheme of things, did a new roof mean anything? Not really. But to me at the moment in our personal lives and what we are walking through, it was a big deal. Right. And he cared about it being a big deal to us. Right. And he handled it completely. We did not pay a dime for a brand new roof on our home. Thank you, Jesus. Yes. Amen. Do you not know that you are worth more than sparrows? Yeah, that's really good. Cares about the little things. Well, Queen Anne, it's been oh. so nice having you here. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for having me. We're yeah. happy to have your family here. And yes, for sure. 
Make sure you tune in next week for another special guest. Bye. Bye.